Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao i have prayed every night that he would escape what the hell did you do that for security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. There's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this life. I've been preparing for this for a long time. It is not safe to be on the street tonight. Go home! Get out of here! Get inside! going on everybody and welcome back to at the movies always brought to you by sideshow conversations it's me the warden of this psychiatric institute val cisco and today with halloween right around the corner i feel like it would be just so dandy to review the movie that critics and audiences have been raving about for the last three days this is Halloween. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, something that I've been waiting for for the past, I want to say two years since I heard about the production. Very excited about it. There was very excited to actually go see this movie in the theaters and um, see what all the hype was about. So let's kind of get right into it, shall we?
Halloween is a 2018 American slasher film directed by David Gordon Green and written by Green himself, Jeff Fradley, and Danny McBride. My man, Danny McBride. It is the 11th installment in the Halloween film series and a direct sequel to the 1978 film of the same name while retconning some of the continuity from the previous sequels. Set 40 years after the original film, the plot follows Laurie Strode as she prepares to face Michael Myers in a final confrontation when he returns to Haddonfield, Illinois. After killing a whole bunch of people on Halloween night, Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle reprise their roles as Strode and Myers, respectfully, with stuntman James Jude Courtney also portraying Michael Myers. The film also stars Judy Greer, Will Patton, and of course, Virginia Gardner. So, let's kind of talk about the production of this after uh, failing to develop a new Halloween film in time. Dimension Films lost production rights, which reverted back to Miramax and obtained with Blumhouse Productions. In May 2016, the new installment was officially announced with original co-creator John Carpenter's involvement as composer and executive producer and creative consultant. Basically, this film franchise has been in limbo for the past couple of years. We've seen with the early 2000s with the installments of Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection, which kind of failed. It brought the nostalgia, but failed to really captivate an audience. And of course, one of my favorites, which kind of people are torn about, is the remake of Halloween, the Rob Zombie franchise, which... Honestly, I firmly enjoyed. I loved that movie. I thought it was a different take on Michael Myers, a very crude and psychological drama that was being dealt with in that first installment. And of course, the second one was a little too deep, but I did enjoy that first movie. Kind of lands in our feet right here, bringing nostalgia heavily back with John Carpenter's blessing in this movie. And of course, Jamie Lee Curtis really taking an active role trying to make this one of her final marquee movies uh, before she probably goes out in the sunset and retires. So, you know what? If this is, like, one of her last big-time movies, rock on, man. Rock on, man. Rock on. But um, let's talk about the movie. I won't go too much into spoilers. I just want to tell you my thoughts and, I guess, um, what I felt about this movie going in. And to start off, I was excited, like I said. really wanted to see what they were going to do for this movie. I wanted to see if the fear was still there for people. I know the want is there. Hell, I have a cousin that lives in Mamaroneck, New York, that dresses up as Michael Myers each Halloween. Dude's like fucking six foot eight and, you know, puts the jumpsuit on and wears a mask, gets a plastic knife or a real knife, we'll never know, and just stalks the street of Manhattan. Thank God he doesn't get shot. He's Puerto Rican people. Leave him alone. Anyways, like, the fandom is there. The stardom is there. So I think that's the attraction. But was the fear there? You know, one thing about, the, you know, the original Halloween, there's a fear, a, a looming fear of not knowing what the hell is going to happen when you see that first movie. And a lot of the sequels really don't capture that. 
And then again, going back to the Rob Zombie remake, I felt the fear in that movie. You know, I felt Michael Myers was an uh, unstoppable juggernaut, you know, unleashing hell upon Earth. And to me, you know, I I needed to have that, that, that dose of adrenaline while watching this movie. So I was interested in that part, too. I love the involvement of John Carpenter, and I do love that they were changing the story around. You know, it's not a big spoiler. We all heard that this movie is going to be a direct sequel to the original movie while canceling all the craziness that was happening with Michael Myers and, of course, um, having Jimmy Lee Curtis, Laurie, being his actual sister. They negate that. Even the movie, you know, the kids are walking down the street. You've seen this in the commercial as well, too, where they're, you know, discussing Michael Myers and the history of her grandmother, Lori Stroh's grand, uh, granddaughter, saying this, basically saying, hey, you know, that was just a, a lie or a ruse that this whole town made up so that way they could feel better about the murders or feel better about themselves, I guess, put their minds to rest that this psychopath wasn't killing people randomly, that there was a motive. This movie kind of gives you that craze that there is no motive whatsoever. Everything's random. There's no understanding Michael Myers. And I do love that about this movie, that there's no understanding. This guy is stoic. He is someone that's just like a, a shark going for blood. You know, that's it. It's instinct almost. Like you pick up a knife, you kill. Shark smells some blood, it's going to get that blood. Same thing for Michael Myers. Um, let's talk about the... Um, the um the granddaughter Allison, I, I do like her. She is the daughter of Karen, who is uh, Lori's daughter. Um, she is one of the main, I guess, uh, the girl who who survives last in this movie, and really an interesting character. You know, you definitely see parallels with her and Lori. You know, just a strong-willed character. You know, a little innocent, but at the same token, you know, she has that edge on her, which I do like. And of course, growing up with Lori and her mother both at odds with their life choices i feel that she always has that edge but also wants to live that i want to say that that teen life you know i want to go to prom i want to you know hang out with my boyfriend and my and my best friend and have parties and all that stuff not too crazy but just enough to live a normal life while her mother played by judy greer is fantastic as well, too. You know, you see her upbringing by Lori. We find out that Lori kind of lost rights to her daughter because of the fact that she was training her, essentially, to um, wait for Michael and how to kill Michael. She was gun training her with rifles and shotguns and how to lay booby traps and things of that nature and how to run and escape. And I think, you know, someone caught wind of this and just took that child away and tried to put her in, in better care, you know, because at this point, Lori is... Mentally unstable. Let's talk about Jamie Lee Curtis right here. You know, we definitely see that unstable mentality. We definitely see in this movie, it's predator versus prey, but Lori's not the prey anymore. She is the predator. She's waiting for Michael to come out. We hear this in the commercials. We hear this in the trailers. She's waiting for Michael to come out so she can kill him. And we see this in the commercials. I'm not spoiling anything. She's training you know, she's shotgun ready. She's, you know, killing mannequins, shooting off mannequin heads. You know, she has a whole gun supply storage in her cellar. You know, this this lady is waiting for the day where she can get her hands on Michael and go to town on him. While the motive isn't clear with Lori, uh, we definitely get a sense 
that the family is very dysfunctional. You know, her mother thinks that her grandmother's crazy. I'm oh, sorry, her mother thinks that her mother's crazy. Karen thinks that Lori's crazy. You know, Allison thinks that both of them are crazy. It's a very strange dynamic because they all have different ways of thinking about the situation and kind of want to move on in some way. Um, we definitely see that Lori is tracking down Michael's every move, whether he's in the penitentiary, whether she knows that he's going to get transferred to another detention facility. You know, she's stalking Michael's every move to see what exactly happens. Um, but I want you guys to go into this movie and get your thoughts on that side, see what the dynamic is between all <laughs> three of the Stroh characters, see how they're similar, see how there's differences, see if there's um, an animalistic side of Lori, Karen, and Allison that I picked up in this movie. Definitely you'll see that toward the end. Um, but I won't spoil too much about it because I want you guys to go and watch it. Um, my thoughts totally on the movie. With Michael Myers himself, I felt that the first 10 minutes of this movie, of his character development, were awesome. I love the whole day jail scene where we see basically the new um, Dr. Luna's character. Um, I believe he's Dr. Uh, Startane. Uh, played by, I'm going to probably butcher his name, Hulluck Billinger. I <laughs> probably butchered his name, but he's Michael's new psychiatrist who is taking over the role of Samuel Loomis, uh, Michael's former psychiatrist from the first film. He and Michael's dynamic is very interesting because you get a strange feeling from this new psychiatrist, almost like a a glorifying feeling that he wants to understand Michael to the point where we don't know what his true intentions are. Um, there's parts in the movie where you really think that this doctor orchestrate something to happen where we see in the commercial that bus crashes and Michael escapes. Did this doctor have something to do with that? We don't know. But it's very interesting to see how the psychiatrist this begging to understand this this juggernaut, this force, that when you first see him in this movie, he is quiet, stoic, does not react to anything whatsoever. And I think it's just a psychiatrist wanting to crack in a way. I think that dynamic right there. He's not definitely the new Loomis. I don't think he's like that obsessed. Well, well, Loomis was trying to cure Michael. Whereas I think with um, Startane, I feel he's trying to be Michael or at least understand Michael in a way so he could live out some kind of sick fantasy. Um, it's def definitely interesting. I think from what I'm hearing from critics and from people alike as well too watching this movie, he's a little campy. You know, he does go campy sometimes. You know, he's very whimsical at some moments and very, you know, kooky, like the kooky mad scientist. And um, you definitely get Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster <laughs> right there. Frankenstein's creation vibes happening. You know, it's alive and things of that nature, which I don't really like that much in my opinion. But he definitely is an interesting character, one of my favorite characters in this movie. Michael himself, um, like I said, the first, I want to say, 10 to 20 minutes of this movie is fantastic. And for his, you know, just the character, just being in the penitentiary, you know, being locked up and not having no motivation whatsoever. It's just like this giant waiting to die, essentially, until he gets a moment where he can actually full fulfill whatever he wants to do, whatever his sick mind is imagining. I, I just like that, that personal feeling of being lost, not having a goal, and when the goal is finally presented to you, 
you're back on the map. It's like a drug addict almost. Think of it like a drug addict. Someone who really, you know, needs that cigarette right then and there. They can be off the cartons and uh, the cigarettes for, for years. You can even be around people that smoke for years and not react, but get that one taste, that opportunity to taste it. And once you taste it, you're back on it again. And that's exactly what Michael Myers gives you in this movie, you know. You know, if he would have got locked up into a different penitentiary, he probably would have just remained there old and die. You know, with no goal in mind, with no kind of fucking resolution in his life. But you see this coincidence, this accident happen, and gives him new meaning one more time. Very, very, very good performance, I guess, on a psychological level to me in this movie. I definitely saw that. As far as being scared, though, I will be honest. I wasn't scared in this movie whatsoever. You know, maybe it was just me being a fan, and maybe fans going into this feel very nostalgic for Michael Myers and just want to see a good slasher movie. And I get it. Some slasher movies are not meant to be scary. You know, maybe a couple of jump scares. You know, look at Scream, you know, and things of that nature. You know, uh, Fright Night and things of that nature. You know, some things are not meant to be scary. They're just meant to, you know, make you jump and, ooh, wow, I get creeped out sometimes. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me being nostalgic for the character, but... I was happy to see Michael, and I was happy to see Michael uh, in a movie where it really suits him, but it just feels like this type of directing was left in the 70s, which is fantastic. People adore that movie. People adore um, everything about that movie. You know, uh, I, I, if this movie was made in 1979, it'd probably be a, a bigger hit than Halloween itself. It, maybe it just rivaled it at that moment in time, but I felt like... Nothing really for me worked in this day and age. They even make a kind of joke in that movie too, like, uh, you know, Alice is talking to her friends, and they're talking about Michael Myers. They're like, "He only killed five people." Like in this day and age, and I really wish they stressed that because in this day and age, when you're having school shootings, you know, God rest their souls, you know, Las Vegas massacres and things of that nature, and people going to freaking uh, movie theaters and lining up, uh, you know people in the theater watching the Batman movie, you know, God rest their souls, but you see those kind of massacres that happen, and then you see Michael Myers, and you know, in that first original movie, almost killing like five people, six people maybe, it's not as impressive as what you see in real life these days, I wish they would have uh, really just hit the nail there, and say that, damn, like, you know, what we live now is scarier than we, what I hear about before, um, I do think that there's some intense moments, though, not to take anything away from this movie. The kills are fantastic. That that one shot of seeing Michael go through, you know, the um, the backyard into the garage, into the kitchen, you know, almost hearkening beat by beat from the original movie of Michael, you know, killing her with a hammer or whatnot, then grabbing the knife and going to the next house and slashing somebody's throat, <laughs> banging her head and putting it through her throat, you know... They're brutal, and they're fantastic, um, but I think it's, maybe it's just me, maybe it's a gory lover in me, but I love it. Maybe I just love seeing prosthetics and just seeing people, you know, get a knife to their throat or getting their jaw ripped out. Like, it doesn't frighten me, and in the audience, I didn't feel like anybody was frightened either. Maybe that's because we're so conditioned of jump scares in movies and just waiting for the next giant surprise when something, something, something so blatant in your face, something so crazy in your face, you're just like, I don't know, maybe I seem crazier. Maybe I seen, you know, something that's really shocked me. This hasn't shocked me. But I could be wrong. Like, I don't know. Maybe the younger generation just doesn't get scared like we do. Um, but 
in all fairness, I just didn't see my, my audience in the theater, you know, cringe or get scared too much. If anything, they laughed a lot more, which that could be a detriment to the movie, but I think um, people are just having a good time. I think, you know, this is a great date movie that you want to, you know, see some Slash and Bash. You're going to have a good time with it. Um, but for that, if you're looking for a movie like that, you could go see Hellfest. And you could definitely have a campy time with that movie. This is supposed to be kind of taken seriously. This is a direct sequel to the original film. Um, anyway, yeah, Michael's performance wasn't scary, but I do like the psychology of the character. And I do like um, the kills in this movie as well, too. Very inventive, very fun, very brutal. Um... I don't know. Everything else is pretty much paint by numbers. Um, and here's one thing. You know, I was watching this with a buddy of mine as well, too. You know, shout out to Adam out there. Um, watching this movie, I understand in a lot of slasher movies as well, too, we're not here for an Oscar award-winning performance half the time. You know, we're here to watch some kills and people get slashed and a couple of, you know, craziness happens and hijinks happening and maybe some laughs here and there. Um, I feel like there's way too many laughs. I feel like there was way too many jokes. And uh, the biggest thing of all, I feel like the, the dialogue was just terrible. Like I said, uh, I'm not to discredit this movie whatsoever. I love the movie. It was a fun movie. It's just I feel like... And this is going to be rough to say. People could slander my name if they want to and curse me out if they want to. Leave comments as much as you want. When I go see a Godzilla movie, I'm not looking for Oscar-winning performances as well, too. I'm looking for Carnage. And that's what I got in this movie. I wasn't looking for, you know, um, Laurie to give me a riveting speech. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis's Oscar-winning performance or Judy Gears, uh, Greer's um, crazy performance or her her stricken performance being scared, nearly about to die. I didn't see, I didn't care for that whatsoever. Like, there was just nonsensical dialogue happening that just didn't make sense. And sometimes even the motivations of the characters did not make sense whatsoever. It wasn't like the run, bitch, run dialogue, but it was like, as a director, you're like, that was a weird choice. And this was a weird choice. And maybe they had deeper meaning to it, if you probably dig a little deeper. There's some Easter eggs in here that make total sense, hearkening to Halloween 4 and 3 and 1 and 2 all together. But um, I felt like it was just decisions made for these characters that just made no sense whatsoever. Too impulsive, and then sometimes not impulsive enough. You know, we live in a town where, you know, this massacre happened, and you, the first glance of Michael Myers escaping, it's not hitting the news outlets. I mean, you kind of get a, a bit of a hint of it. Uh, if you remember the original Jaws movie, and you see the mayor pop up, and it's like, hey, you know, Michael Myers escaped, but, you know, we're not going to uh, cancel Halloween, just like he didn't want to cancel, you know, uh, that, that spring break weekend that he was having. You know, it was hearkening to that movie, I guess, in a way, that character, I guess, but it wasn't, like, made a big deal, like, like they did in Jaws. Like, you know, yeah, Brody go out there and, you know, try to fight that. This was like, well, I guess this guy said it, so we're just going to let Halloween happen. And no one's caring. It's not hitting news. It's not hearing news um, studios whatsoever. We're not hearing it off the radio that much whatsoever. It's just passing by. And uh, there's no urgency that Michael Myers is coming. Hell, I, I, I'll tell you this. And people can yell at me for this as well, too. I know someone right now is probably showing this off in the Rob Zombie remake. When they announce that Myers is coming back, there's almost a lockdown in the whole entire place. 
you see everybody on alert, on edge, that the thought of Michael Myers returning was scary enough to have people watch buildings and watch houses and try to protect people. Even though they weren't taken as serious, there was some kind of sense of urgency. There was no urgency in this movie besides Laurie. And I get it. You want to make Laurie the strong character, the one that said, I told you so to everybody. But we didn't even get an I told you so moment from Laurie to shove it in everybody's faces. This was more of like, all right, yeah, he's back. See, guys? Now let's go try to kill him. Which, I don't know. I felt like I wanted more from Laurie. Uh, uh, more of a twist. And we did get twists. There's some twists that you see in the original Michael Myers movie. Michael Myers movie, Halloween movie, that you get to see Jamie Lee Curtis do. Shot where Loomis shoots Michael through the window and falls to the ground. We get a shot like that with Laurie hitting the ground as well, too. Michael looks out the window. Laurie disappears, just like Michael did. So there's parts like that that are fantastic. And for our original fan, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, great. But if you're not a fan of the franchise, you're like, wow, that Laurie bitch, you know, she can move. You know, so that Michael dude, he can move. So I don't know. This character choices are weird. Um, I wished we would have got a better daughter, granddaughter, grandmother dynamic with the characters as well, too. Uh, with Allison, with uh, Karen, and with Laurie. I felt like, yeah, you got to kind of got connected toward the end with the three Strode um, women, you know, try to take down Michael together. You know, someone who's haunted their lives all their lives, essentially, uh, finally get to take them down together, but I felt like, I don't know, there was, I wanted more tension with the family, they tried to give you that in the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie, but not enough, not enough where I felt like they, it was so bad and so terrible, if anything, it came off whiny with Karen's character, like, mom, you made me use shotguns when I was 10 years old, mom, you always made me feel like Michael was gonna get us, and to be honest, it was a real threat, this is not like, Halloween H2O, where you see um, that Laurie, and by the way, all these other sequels are non-existent, they're in separate universe, I believe, but you see in Halloween H2O, where Laurie is still, you know, scared on the edge of Michael coming back, and at that time, we think Michael's dead, and she's still on the edge, being very paranoid, you know, trying to kind of prepare for Michael's return, but at the same time, just um, being on the edge of, with everybody, her son, the school itself. Like, there's a, a sense of tension there and drama there. Um, I don't know. In this movie, I felt like it wasn't there for me. Um, I felt like, the, yes, the rules did reverse in a way, but I don't know. I just wanted some kind of emotional aspect. Maybe that's what it was. That could have been it right there. Lori could just be unempathetic at this point in time. But you see there's a relationship with her and Allison, in a way. Um, there are shots toward the end that do hint for another sequel to happen. Um, especially at the end of the scene. Um, it does harken back to, I think, Halloween either 3 or 4. I want to say 4. Um, and you'll see that when it happens. I don't want to spoil that ending right there for you. But if you've seen Halloween 4, I believe, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it harkens back to that. And then there is kind of a little bit of a post-credit post scene in a way. Not too much, but it does give you some kind of hint as well, too, of that there will be a sequel. Hopefully something with John Carpenter as well, too. Um, so far, the film's getting great reviews. Number one, the box office. You know, the same kind of campy reviews I'm giving it, that there's too many jokes and maybe the characters are 
are a little one-dimensional besides um, Dr. Um, Startain. I, I feel that um, all the positives outweigh the negatives. The kills are great. The familiar, the familiarity is great. Botch that word right there. The nostalgia is there. You know, the lore is there. You know, there's so many, you know, good, crazy parts that are just like, mm, like delectable for you as a slasher fan to love, for a new fan to love. Like, there's a lot to dig deep into. Um, I just felt like it could have been a lot better, in my opinion. So if I were to go from... 86 in it, mid-carding it, or giving it a big top, I give it a, I give it a, a low, no, no, I'm going to stick to my guns, I'm going to give it a high mid-card right now, high enough for you to watch this movie in the theaters, maybe buy the DVD or Blu-ray when it comes out, um, but as a, as a worthy successor to the original film, I kind of like the original Halloween too. I kind of like the brother sister dynamic between uh, Michael and Laurie. And I understand maybe even scarier to not have Michael as a sibling. I get that. And it is creepier. It really is. Maybe just the execution wasn't there for me. But, you know, in this movie here, I felt like for someone who's not your blood relative that murdered all these people that's in a state penitentiary not that far away from the hometown and everybody's living willy-dilly just chilling out while the psychopath can just come out any minute and start going on a killing rampage again just didn't do it for me i felt like the urgency was not there i felt like we got that from halloween one and two and even three i felt like uh, we got that in the rob zombie remake and uh, the sequel as well too with the urgency at least the urgency not the best movie in the world part two but the urgency was there you know um, it's a movie that I'll watch again and I'll have a good time and catch all the other little Easter eggs. There's tons of Easter eggs. If you're uh, an aficionado with this movie, you're going to want to see every little nook and cranny to pick out every little detail in this movie. Hell, there's even signs of of what happened to Loomis. We know, of course, you know, the actor who portrayed Loomis is long dead, you know, rest in peace for him. But at the same token, there's hints of why he died in the first place because essentially we see that Loomis wanted Michael to be eradicated from this world. And this doctor, Dr. Startain, stopped him in a way, but it's never told how. So there's so many things to kind of unravel in this movie. Above all, fun movie. Fun movie. You're going to go to the box office this weekend, or this week, excuse me. You know, I know Venom's still out there. Don't watch that garbage. And there's a couple movies that are great right now, you know, A Star is Born, things of that nature. But it's Halloween season, people. We want to go on out there, kind of get scared, kind of get in the flavor. You know, get the candy corn, the Skittles, the dark chocolate, some cookies out the way, and just watch some Halloween and have a good time. This is a great movie that, once it comes on video on demand, by next year, everybody's going to be watching this, guaranteed. This is going to be a classic for this generation. I will say that. I just felt like, in my opinion, creative choices could have been different, dialogue could have been different, um, and more urgency for the characters reacting to Michael could have been different as well, too. Um, but that's really it, guys. Um, hopefully I didn't spoil too much of this movie. Hopefully you guys are intrigued to watch it because there are fun parts in it. There are very fun parts in there. It's a fun, crazy movie. And if you're a fan, you're going to love it. If you're a new fan to this, you're going to 
be interested enough to see what's going on with Michael Myers. Why do people love Michael Myers so much? Um, hopefully, I nudged you to watch this movie. Anyway, guys, I am out of here. My name is Val Cisco. Hopefully, you enjoyed this review. Um, get out there. Watch Halloween. Leave a comment on our Facebook page at Sideshow Conversation or Sideshow Conversations on Instagram as well, too. Let me know what you guys are thinking about this movie. Uh, if you totally disagree with me and think this is the best thing since sliced bread, rock and roll. I totally agree with you. If, you, if you're a fan of the original movie, you might say this is a, a worthy successor in a way. Um, in my, my opinion, I feel like if this was made in 1979, definitely, yes. It definitely feels like a movie that was set in 1979. Um, but for this day and age, I just feel like the brutality wasn't there enough for me. But if you disagree, please let me know. You know, I love engaging in these kind of conversations. Um, reach me out at Val Cisco on Instagram at um, Uncanny underscore V on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I, uh, Sideshow Conversations is on iTunes, it's on Spotify, and it's on Podcast Republic. And a bunch of other things as well, too. Podbeam, things of that nature. Stitcher, and things of that nature. So many outlets out there. iTunes, as I said before. You know, get at me. Anchor, 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 anchor. Please. Um, if you're a big fan of this podcast, there's a Patreon with Anchor that does support the podcast, whether you're giving a dollar or two dollars to the podcast, it does help for expenses for me to research things or help for even me to promote things even better. Um, does bring sponsorships. So that's for later on though. If you guys feel like you just enjoy the free prog as it is right here, that's what I do it for. I do it because I love this thing. I love hanging out with all of you, listening to to hear you guys the next day being like, hey, Frank, that was pretty awesome. Hey, Val, that was pretty dope. So um, hopefully you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. Anyway, I am out of here, guys. So you guys take care and always be real. Get your mind out of gutter, but keep your eye on the side.